0: Across the UK, Overnight with Martin Kelvin. There is a place I'd give the world to see Where the music's softly playing And the rhythm's gently swaying Underneath the stars in a million bars Guitars are softly saying. That's so we're going now to uh, Campeche in Mexico and uh, a warm welcome to the show uh, to John Bonfilio. Uh, John, thanks uh, ever so much for joining us. Good evening, Martin. Well, we start off with, uh, I suppose, it was a sort of similar story to this last week. Uh, we start off in Brazil uh, where there's been, or at least the police have managed to foil it, but um, there was a suspected uh, terror attack on the uh, Jewish community in Brazil. Tell me about that.
1: Yeah, we've we've spoken a number of times on your show recently about this sort of the unusual shadow that events in Israel and Gaza have cast over uh, Latin America, in part because thousands of Arabs migrated to the region in the last decades of you know, as far back as the 19th century, right through to the 1950s. So there's pretty much great regional sympathy for the Palestinians and uh, for the for the play of Palestine equally. Uh, More than 100,000 Jewish people live in Brazil and more than 250,000 in Argentina. And this week in Brazil, uh, this alleged terror attack on Jews purportedly by Hezbollah, uh, the Iranian-backed Shia Muslim militant group, drew national and pretty much regional attention uh, as well. Two arrests made, uh, 11 search and seizure raids across the country, interestingly, although no specific details were given on the plot itself, all of which may pretty much seem unusual. But there is precedent in 1994 in what was a huge event at that particular point in time the amyad jewish center in buenos aires was bombed in an attack which ended up killing 85 people and is generally attributed to to hezbollah but generally relations between the sort of uh the middle eastern arab community and the jewish community in latin america it's, it's taken as a given that you know mm. it, that there is no friction there at all but these events across the other side of the world are beginning to raise the specter of I guess, sort of civic and social difficulty between those communities here in Latin America.
0: Yeah, I guess if you look at a sort of simple or simplistic view of a sort of reductive view of what's going on in in that area, you would see Israel as the colonizers, Israel and America, Britain, you know, Israel and the West as the colonizers and uh, Palestinians as the colonized. And in Latin America, that's a sort of narrative that would would attract quite a lot of sympathy.
1: Yeah, totally. It's it's a completely empathic perspective, you know, in terms of history and in terms of the yeah. the particular viewpoint, as well as the fact that there is a really significant, of course, history of you know the Middle East and Arab community in in Latin yeah. America. But for sure, politically, uh, you know, geopolitically, that's where generally the you know the emotion is on this side of the water. Yeah,
0: I would have thought so. Um, that, tell me this story from uh, from Panama. Um, where this guy got out of his car and he was just getting annoyed because we've got protests here, we just stop oil and all that. People do get slightly annoyed. But this guy took it to a bit of an extreme, did he not?
1: Yeah, it sort of had, it harks back to the Michael Douglas film Falling Down from hmm. about 30 years ago. Environmental protesters were uh, protesting a big open pit mine, which uh, the government had awarded to a Canadian firm in a protected Uh, jungle area and they came across or he he came across the figure the retired american lawyer called kenneth darlington a name which is now going to live in infamy who got out of his car uh, and started tearing down flags and and barriers when protesters challenged him as they would he uh, he pulled out a handgun and was sort of waving it around all over the place and then as discussions continued he decided that he was going to shoot and kill two of the protesters in what was I mean the footage is you know there remarkable brazen incident which has shocked Panama completely. Mm. Darlington has now been charged with a double homicide and is currently undergoing psych- psychiatric evaluations. Um, gun ownership is actually pretty pretty easy to achieve in Canada, but it doesn't have a gun culture at all. Generally, those who have guns in Panama are criminals. So for somebody to just pull out a gun on a highway is culturally, you know, really, really surprising. Uh, And then, of course, you then have what took place later with the the death of two teachers who were protesting just the the awarding of a mine contract to to a firm.
0: Yeah, Yeah. remarkable story. And then one from Costa Rica, another crime story, uh, the country's largest ever bank heist.
1: This has, uh, thankfully, some humour attached to it. Uh, Costa Rican police... This week, detained eight employees from the largest commercial bank on Wednesday, related to a six million dollar theft, the largest in the bank's history. Now, what's remarkable about this, other than the size of it, is that it wasn't, you know, one of those classic sort of Netflix, uh, Michael Caney brilliantly conceived <laughs> heist, but it was completely. It was a low level bank employee who apparently took advantage of a blind spot he'd spotted in the bank's cameras to remove daily amounts in an envelope for years day wow. after day after day yeah the others charged interestingly it appears as though they weren't involved they were his superiors uh, and it seems that they were aware they knew that there was money going missing but they didn't know how it was happening so instead of uh, you know bring it up to their own superiors into the bank decided not to report it for fear of being fired so they covered up a crime that someone else committed and now of course they're in the dock uh, too and uh, you know, remember that old phrase uh, that was always used in reporting, uh, Martin. The investigation is continuing.
0: The investigation is continuing. Yeah. Although usually once they've got them in the dock, you know, they don't to invest. I mean, it sounds as like an open shut case. The guy was just taking the money. You know, free samples. Yeah,
1: that that that's pretty straightforward. The question is, did. Cause there's some suggestion that some of the other employees uh, might have had, you know, maybe they're saying they knew, but they, they didn't know. So there's investigations going on into their bank accounts and there's some suggestion that uh, one of them was spending $6,000 on lottery tickets uh, per <laughs> week or something like that. We, we don't know, you know, the veracity of that at the moment, but the, the question is, you know, what did the other seven, what actual involvement did the other seven have? The, the, the poor guy, I say the poor guy. The not poor guy at all who was no, not poor, taking no. all the money. Yeah, I mean, we, for sure, he, you know, he is guilty as charged.
0: Yeah, amazing. Um, tell me about the uh, bit of sport now. The Peruvian football uh, Universitario has won the league there. Tell me about that match.
1: I don't know whether this reached the UK or, or I didn't not, see but it this myself, is a, but yeah. No, it's amazing. It's uh, you know, Latin American football, crazy Latin American football at its very best. So, uh, Peruvian football reached its climax this week with the second leg of, uh, the Liga won the first division super final. So a home and away, uh, leg between arch rivals Universitario and Alianza Lima, who, uh, you know, if we say that they hate each other is, is something of an understatement. <laughs> it's finally poised one all after the first leg and Alianza Lima were hosting the return leg and highly confident because they hadn't lost they'd been unbeaten in the previous 25 uh, home fixtures in the event actually the away team Universitario won 2-0 which generated complete mayhem in the stadium for about two seconds because just as the celebrations began I mean if it, it I can't I've watched the footage a number of times, and honestly, if it reaches three seconds, I'd be surprised. But three, two, three seconds after the final whistle, the Alianza Lima switched off all of the stadium lights, <laughs> generating even more mayhem, because they didn't want, of course, Universitario to, uh, to celebrate, and this has generated a lot of consternation, actually outrage in Peru. Mm. I mean, the first thing to say is there were 30,000 people in the stadium, you know, wow. sat in the stadium. Yeah, the lights just suddenly went off, so... From just a, from a health and safety perspective in terms of those people getting out of the the stadium, but for sure, lots of accusations of uh, Ali and Salima being uh, sore losers. And actually there's now a criminal investigation into what took place. And it's, it's likely that there will be pretty severe consequences for the, uh, for the club and whoever made that decision, that crazy decision.
0: It's funny, you know, the, the, you know, the celebrations such an important part. I mean, Liverpool were beaten in Toulouse and uh, the when Jurgen Klopp went to do his press conference uh, in a in a tent, it seemed right next door to him, the uh, Toulouse fans and players and everybody were celebrating and he was, he was well fed up with that. I mean, you know, you, it's bad enough losing, but being uh, forced to go in front of the sponsors boards right next to where uh, the team that's just defeated you are celebrating. Uh, it's uh, you, know, uh, yeah. you know you know you can understand why they switched all the lights off even though
1: it, would, <laughs> it, it felt it felt with Jurgen Klopp as though it was something of a medieval punishment that yes. he was undergoing being sat in that tent with a with a baying uh, hordes yeah. just metres away on the other side of a a thin bit of material.
0: Yeah, but one good bit of news for Liverpool is that uh, Luis Diaz's uh, father's been released.
1: Yes, yes, this is the the story that's been ongoing for a couple of weeks, and of course this week because we've. We've been thinking every day. Well, we've been told every day by the kidnappers and their uh, associates that he was going to be released. But finally, yesterday, so just about uh, maybe 30 hours ago now, Luis Manuel uh, Diaz uh, was was released. He's now with his very emotional uh, family, and it sort of uh, brought 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 that story full circle. um, You know, a story which really brought all of Colombia together, including actually um, the ELN, the National Liberation Army, that were purported to have kidnapped him because mm. they themselves said that you, you can't mess with a national figure like uh, Luis Diaz. Of course, uh, if you look statistically at uh, all the other hundreds of thousands of kidnappings that have taken place in Colombia uh, over the course of the last couple of generations, it also leaves a slightly bad taste in the mouth in terms of uh, all the attention that this one got on the happy ending where we mm. have had you know literally hundreds of thousands of others which have not have, uh, reached the same conclusion
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, John, as always, thank you ever so much. Do appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk again soon. No problem. Take care. Cheers. Good man. There we go. John Bonfilio joining us from Campeche in Mexico.